G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. And in some ways today, it might be a contribution if you are from a different nationality than typical Aussies. Now, that's a, you know, that can be inflammatory even saying that because we're a a nation of uh, first peoples and migrants and uh, you've got all sorts of a mix of people. But if you come from a nationality where you know that there is Christian persecution that's happening in your homeland, you might like to make a, a personal thought or two known today around the issues of persecution of Christians in different nations. Now, it's often a shock when you hear for the first time that one in seven Christians worldwide are under severe persecution for following Jesus. Now, if you do the sums on that, that's 360 million Christians who are denied access to jobs and education who are arrested, attacked, and even killed for following Jesus. But where the body of Christ and the Apostle Paul's encouragement to believers is, when they hurt, we all hurt. And there are major hotspots around the world of Christian persecution and open doors. Well, they have their annual list of the top 50 nations who persecute Christian believers, and we might talk about some of those today. But of course, with war in the Middle East and Islam flexing muscle around the world, many Christians will be anxious for their own safety, especially in the lead up to Christmas. Well, our special guest this coming hour is Dave Myers. Dave serves the most persecuted Christians in the world through Open Doors Australia. He's also the pastor of a new church plant called Christ Our Refuge in Brisbane's Inner North, part of the Anglican Diocese of the Southern Cross. Dave, a special welcome back to 2020. It's good to be back with you, Neil. Just reflecting just a few moments ago, Dave, uh, first time I spoke to you was around about 13, 14 years yeah. ago. And, uh, and you know, I've just watched you going through different transitions and changes. And, you know, you've been an amazing youth commentator, minister uh, in, in those times and uh, moving into church planting now, which is very exciting. How are you feeling about the, the year ahead, 2024? It's a new big year for you. It is a new big year. Oh, I'm, I'm, um, I'm. Before I get to 2024, I'm thankful for 2023. Uh, had many great experiences. Uh, love the work that I'm part of with uh, serving the persecuted church uh, with open doors. And uh, God's been really kind in opening doors for us as a new church community. Um, we've, you know, our church called Christ Our Refuge. Uh, our our dream is to be a city of refuge within the city of Brisbane where many people have found refuge, security, and hope in Christ. Uh, and already we only had our official launch like three months ago, but already about 20% of those that are with us weren't in a church a year ago. Um, new churches reach new people. Uh, new churches re-engage people who've been disengaged at some point in the past. Uh, and so uh, it's a juggle personally, kind of uh, doing the work with Open Doors, uh, also leading a, a fledgling church. Uh, but looking forward to 2024, uh, yeah, very excited to keep um, speaking on behalf of 
persecuted believers around the world, uh, speaking in churches, particularly in southeast Queensland, uh, and sharing the message of how God is strengthening our persecuted brothers and sisters, uh, but likewise uh, excited about uh, a new year with our church um, and uh, and even and even joining those two things together and, and thinking through how can my work with um, the persecuted church um, impact the work of discipleship in our local church um, and yeah how do, how do we just learn the stories of the persecuted church how do we pray for them how do we in a meaningful way um, uh, support them and uphold them uh, but also be inspired by their faith to keep trusting Jesus no matter the cost you know it's wonderful to hear of what you're doing planting a church and working with open doors because sometimes when we think of talking to various organizations that are supporters and workers alongside the persecuted believers that somehow or other it's separate from the church mm. uh, you're a living walking demonstration that what can happen within a local church community and some church communities Mm. can feel like they drift from one place to another and they feel like they're a little bit purposeless. Mm. Uh, You're obviously going to be having a strong focus on the persecuted church with your own uh, church. That's a pretty good place to start, isn't it? If you want to be in solidarity with those who are hurting, just like I said a moment ago about the Apostle Paul and his encouragement, Mm. it's a good thing for churches to be able to adopt a, a mentality of support for the persecuted church. Yeah, absolutely. And look, one of the things I've been struck by in my time with Open Doors is how perhaps even the language of the persecuted church and the free church is unhelpful. Um, There's not two churches. There's one church. There's one global body of Christ. We might be separated by borders. We might be separated by time and denominations and, and different flavors and styles. But the reality is there's only one body of Christ. And I actually think um, seeing the front lines of how God is strengthening strengthening the church in the hardest places actually, I think, brings a perspective to maybe some of the fights and squabbles we might have in the West sometimes over some of our preferences, over some of our uh, minor differences. And so I do think that the persecuted church and knowing how God is at work amongst persecuted believers um, uh, actually helps us to get back to what's the main thing, what's at the heart of of following Jesus? Um, what's at the heart of the gospel of Jesus? Um, uh, secondary, tertiary, and so on issues theologically are worth wrestling with and are worth having convictions over. Um, but I think that the persecuted church kind of strips back some of the the junk that sometimes we have and some of the preferences that we have and some of the peripheral things that aren't always unimportant, uh, but maybe distract us from the main thing and that, that Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is worth it. Jesus loves you. Jesus is building his church in the darkest of places. Um, Jesus is um, is providing hope for people in places of hopelessness, uh, even in places where it might surprise us that God is at work uh, in places that might seem so hostile to him. You've spoken at a lot of different churches and you've been able to present on behalf of Open Doors. And there'll be some things in a presentation that are always there Some of that's going to be around the numbers of Christians who are persecuted. Do you come across people in those churches and various places where you're speaking who come up to you afterwards and say, oh, I'm from Nigeria or uh, I'm from the Philippines or I'm from the Middle East and, uh, you know, by God's grace, they're in Australia and and but they can identify with what you're saying because they have got that lived experience. People in our own churches and our own shores 
they've got a lived experience of what it is to be under severe persecution. Yeah, immediately as you say that, I can picture a bunch of people that I've met across this year alone from from various countries around the world, uh, certainly uh, various different African countries, Middle Eastern countries, Southeast Asian countries. Um, and I think there's something beautiful about uh, a diverse collection of people in local churches here in southeast Queensland or around Australia, New Zealand and, and other places in the West. Um, and I think there's there's a... There's a beautiful opportunity to, to to walk with, you know, those that may have actually come out of and fled some pretty difficult situations to to know they're in your church, to know the experiences that they have had and family members continue to have. I think I think it brings a perspective to um, some of the things that we're going through. Um, I did have one person come up to me earlier this year. We've we've got our world watch list with the top 50 most persecuted countries. It's actually the 30th anniversary of the world watch list at the start of this year. Uh, and um, uh, the, the reality is over the last 30 years, persecution has increased kind of on every measure. Persecution is only going up. Um, the numbers continue to go up. And I had one person come up to me. Uh, I'd, I'd spoken about it in the service just for a moment. And they came up and they said, show me that world watch list. You know, where is, is, is Australia number one? It's definitely got to be in the top 10, doesn't it? And it was, it was an opportunity just to breathe for a moment and kind of go, Australia is nowhere near the top 50. Um, Australia is nowhere near the top 100. Um, what are there, 200 countries in the world? Are we in the top 150? Maybe we don't even make the top 150. Now, that's not saying there aren't genuine... Um, genuine hardships that Christians can face. As I think of some of my friends working in different uh, corporate sectors and so on, there's just uh, care that needs to be taken as you work for your employer and work out what it means to work for the brand and work for the company and and, and meet codes of conduct. And, and so it, it, it's not that it's just, I can talk about Jesus anywhere and everywhere. There are real pressures and there are increasing ways in which Christians are on the margins. Uh, and yet, when you've got someone in your church from Iraq or Pakistan uh, or Nigeria, you are able to be given a perspective that maybe some of the pressures that you're facing, while they're real, are perhaps not as significant as um, as we may like to think. But I think one of the one of the things that I've noticed over uh, the last couple of years is I think sometimes people, when they do hear the confronting stories that we share from open doors, I think they can start to feel guilty that, well, we don't suffer like that. And so it's almost like, um, if you can imagine, um, you know, like a scale, um, you know, up here, we've got this is the experiences of the persecuted church, and it's so much worse than what I'm going through. And down here um, is what I'm going through. And we almost go, well, that's nothing. That's everything. You know, God, give them strength. But I actually think the, the opportunity of learning from the persecuted church is not that this down here that I'm going through is nothing. It's still something. It's still hard. It's still I might be mistreated or cut off from my family because I've become a Christian. That still happens in Australia. I might find increased opposition because of the ethical decisions that I make here in Australia. I might be mocked and ridiculed because I'm a follower of Jesus here in Australia. Um, High schools can be a tough place for followers of Jesus. Um, And so it's not that the thing down here that I'm going through isn't real. It's just that the thing up there that my persecuted brother and sister is going through well, maybe the prayer is, God, I can see what my brother in Iraq and my sister in Myanmar is going through. Lord, give them strength. Lord, keep giving them strength. And that, Lord, as you strengthen them, I'm encouraged 
to have strength as well. And so, Lord, would you strengthen me with the thing that I've got going on? It's real. It may not be as big or as fiery, but it's still significant for me. Lord, help me to keep trusting Jesus no matter what I face and help me to take courage from my brother and sister. And here in Australia, in virtually every case, uh, we can be confident that when we leave home for work today, uh, we're going to turn up for work and it might be difficult or turn up for school and it might be difficult. But we're not likely at this point uh, to be arrested, beaten, imprisoned, denied promotion, Mm. denied health care even killed for our faith. That's not likely Mm. to be our experience. Um, Terror things, well, you know, you can never guarantee what might happen there, but even then we've been preserved uh, significantly from significant terror attacks. 1-800-316-316 to join in our talkback conversation today with our special guest, Dave Myers. Dave works with Open Doors Australia and that's the organisation that really is a, uh, a lifeline to persecuted Christians around the world, uh, work through partners on the ground in nations where they're suffering severe persecution. Well, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Hey, Dave, here we are. We're just a week out from Christmas and Christmas time and Easter time, significant global mm. Christian celebrations Sometimes, if you're in some nations, that actually is, uh, well, it's time to take extra caution because persecution's often on the increased. Uh, what's uh, what are your thoughts around this time of year and Advent and Christmas? Yeah, as you say, um, Advent and, uh, and, and Easter time, they are heightened times of persecution for believers. They are big moments of celebration, big moments of community gathering, um, they obviously look different in different places in the underground church. You're not going to make too much noise, but there is still a, an increased uh, likelihood of persecution. That's a time to target the Christian community, to remind them of the oppressors in their particular nation, whoever they may well be. Uh, first Sunday of Advent, um, back on 3rd of December, only a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a church bombing in southern uh, Philippines, in Mindanao, in the Muslim-majority area there. Four were killed, uh, 45 were injured. Um, that is uh, literally only a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I actually had a moment that uh, last Sunday, the, the 10th of uh, December, I was speaking as part of an Advent series at Southside Presbyterian Church, just south of uh, Brisbane City. And uh, I realized... Um, like I'm, I'm speaking about Advent and I'm speaking about the heightened persecution and I'm speaking about the hope of Jesus being born into persecution, um, of, of Jesus coming to rescue us uh, from, from, from sin, from Satan, from death, from suffering, from hopelessness. And I, I, I started to share a story that I've shared a lot, but I haven't shared it at Advent time before. And it was actually as I began the story that I realized, wait, this story took place at Advent. Uh, So I had the privilege last year of visiting um, the persecuted church in Egypt and got to see firsthand just the incredible work that our local partners are doing um, all up and down the Nile uh, and to meet a whole bunch of uh, persecuted believers and and go to some pretty significant places where some significant attacks have have happened. And uh, there was this one particular place that we visited on December, uh, we visited in last year, but on December the 10th or 11th, 2016, a suicide bomber 
had come into this church, El Botrasia, in um, downtown Cairo, kind of next door to St. Mark's Coptic Cathedral. Uh, and we, we, we literally, we kind of arrived through heavy security um, and within a matter of moments of being welcomed into this church, we were, we didn't quite know what to expect, but we were walking the steps of a suicide bomber. Mm. You know, step one was we, 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 we are shown the wrong door. So in Egyptian church culture, uh, men sit on the left and women sit on the right. And so when this newcomer uh, walks into the church and makes his way for the right door, um, he's walking in the wrong door. He's showing that he doesn't quite understand the culture of what's going on here. And so there was one observant man, his name was Nabil, and he noticed this newcomer, also known as a terrorist, um, walking through that right door. He ran after him and he tackled him just after he made his way into the door. Uh, and as he tackled him, the, the bomb was detonated and uh, 28 women and girls, because it's the women's side, were killed. Uh, it would have been many more if it weren't for the observant brother in Christ, Nabil, who, who, who tackled that suicide bomber on that day. And I still remember being there that day and, uh, you know, kind of just after you walk in the door, there's a black tile on the ground. We stood on this black tile, which was part of the post-bombing refurbishment. And this was the place where the bomb had been set off. And it was just a, it was a confronting moment to kind of imagine not too long in the past what took place literally on this spot. And then we, we look up at the, the, the big pillars in this old church that have still got ball bearing marks all over them. Um, you know, left an indelible impression, not just on the, the pillars, but kind of upon me as I reflected on what took place on that day. And, and we were shown just outside the door, about 40 metres from where the bomb had blast. They've actually put some glass over some blood on the wall to actually not wash the blood off this particular wall, but to preserve it with the names of those who lost their lives, whose blood was shed on that day, as a reminder of what it cost those sisters plus the man that tackled uh, the suicide bomber, uh, what, it, what it cost them to be followers of Jesus on that day, that blood as a constant reminder of their bloodshed as they followed after Jesus, the one whose blood was shed for them. But we had on that day um, the opportunity to meet the brother, uh, Ashrav, of Nabil, the twin brother, um, just a couple of metres from that black tile, uh, we met the tin, twin brother of that man, and what a privilege to meet a man who has lost his brother, has lost other family members, has had his church community so broken by an act of atrocity, and yet the hope that this man carried, the joy that this man carried, the resolve that this man carried. Um, we asked him, you know, are people, are people afraid to come out to church now because of this? And he said, no. Every day that the church has a liturgy, every day the church is full. And it's interesting. I think, I think um, I don't know, a little bit of rain in Brisbane can sometimes keep you away from church. Now, we're not talking about the flooding rain that, that happens here in Queens. The 100-year the floods that happen every five years these days, we're not talking about that type of rain, which it's wise to stay home and not go to church on those days. But you know what? Sometimes the, the smallest inconvenience might change our plans on what, whether we're going to meet with the people of God or not. And yet, in a place like Egypt and many other places, there's this resolve that even though at a time like Advent, at a time like Easter, at, a, at actually any time, there's a likelihood that this could cost me my life simply by publicly gathering with other believers. And yet there's this resolve. The church swells. Those who are part of that church who, who, who may have lacked a bit of resolve lately actually flock back 
uh, to be part of praying, to be part of community, to be part of hoping, and to be part of continuing the work of the gospel. Um, it was interesting, while we were in Egypt, um, our uh, our tour guide said these incredible words. He said that um, the the blood of the martyrs is the irrigation of the church, mm. uh, similar to another church uh, quote from church history. But point being... Uh, the story in Egypt of Christianity, not just in the early days, um, but up until this day, has been one where it can cost you your life if you're a follower of Jesus. And yet, it's it's the blood of those martyrs that is 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 the fuel that grows the church. Um, and so, all that's to say is that's a story I know well, and a story that I've been moved by. And it was a story that even as I'm delivering it last week. I'm there going, I never even realized this was on the 10th. This is the second Sunday in Advent from 2016. Whoa, I've never connected. I'm I'm sharing this point because it's a good point right now with the Bible passage, but this is further illustrating the point that Advent is a time when gathering as believers can come at a cost uh, in quite a remarkable way. Yes, Christmas season, a significant time. And it's also a reminder, uh, what is it that we in Western nations and here in Australia can learn from the persecuted church? And as you tell the story, it illustrates just how significant it is that nothing will keep them from the gathering of believers Mm. because they know that growing up and being part of an environment where they're under threat because of their faith, they know that the meaning and the purpose of their life uh, aligned with Christ's purpose and mission uh, is the most important thing and nothing keeps them from gathering together. Mm. Hey, let's take a call. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316, an anonymous caller from Victoria on the line. Hi, welcome along. Hello. Hi there. What's uh, What are your thoughts? We are pers- persecuted in Australia. Uh, what sort of persecution are you referring to? In employment. Employment. And uh, I can imagine where your thoughts might be going from times in COVID and some people preferred in employment uh, over others. Is that what you're referring to? The ability to worship with like-minded people. Christians. And not every workplace is populated only with Christians. Uh, in fact, sometimes you might be the odd one out. Is that the sort of thing you're referring to and others get some level of preferential treatment over you? Yeah. Dave, what are your thoughts? Because some people will be saying, as you were saying, you know, you can look at our own circumstances. Uh, and you know what? On the ground, it feels like persecution. And we don't necessarily refer to it in that strong terminology. But what are your thoughts for our listener? Yeah, no, that's yeah, good question. Yeah, I think the reality is that um, as followers of Jesus, uh, we can be on the margins here in Australia and we can certainly feel the pressure um, in our workplaces, in our schools, uh, you know, a pressure to, to tow a political correctness on, on different issues that, um, you know, we might feel like we're being forced into. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story briefly about our tour guide from Egypt. It has to be a quick one because we're about to go to news. Okay. But I think, well, we might, uh, we'll we might come, back. come back to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank that uh, listener who's called in anonymously and uh, shared that thought. Hey, Dave, we've been talking about 
Advent and Christmas. And sometimes that just shows an increased awareness because there have been increased attacks that happen in the lead up to. Uh, but when we talk about this time, not all Christian believers are going to ground, uh, preserving their own safety. There are people who are in some of these nations who we might describe as hugely courageous who are seeing these opportunities, even though there's more intense pressure, they're seeing this as opportunity. How do you des- describe that? You've got a story or two. Yeah. Oh, we, um, oh look, you can find out on uh, opendoors.org.au uh, kind of a, a headline story at the moment that we've got on the front page as part of our, our Christmas giving appeal, um, which is all about strengthening persecuted children at Christmas time. Um, but there's a, a particular story that we've been sharing um that really highlights how love is in action in in Ethiopia. And there's this one family in particular. Um, uh, as a pastor, evangelist, his name is Ermias. Uh, and it's just interesting learning from him as he brings up his children. He's got two twin boys, Fasil and Ezana. And... Um, yeah, the, the pressure on these two twin boys, they're only seven years old, the ridicule that they can receive, the rejection, uh, the beatings is actually a common thing from, in particular, uh, Islamic families in their region uh, and Islamic extremists and so on. But one of the things that this family have been doing for years is making the most of the Advent season to share the light of Christ, to shine the light of Christ, to offer something of the hope that Christ brings the one who was born that first advent and um and that has included reaching out to their neighbors who are extremists now for a while um they they weren't really able to have their extremist neighbors come over to them um but what they did each year is they prepared um like some holiday bread and baked some holiday bread and wrapped that up and 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 year after year, we're going to visit these neighbours to to kind of hey Merry Christmas, uh, you know, hello neighbour. Here is a tangible act of love, and um, eventually, what's happened is it's actually softened their neighbours, and those neighbours now feel comfortable coming into the home of these Christians, um, and they even say that the home feels like their home, like this is the power of hospitality in a place that's genuinely dark, in a place where there is genuinely violent opposition to Christians, there's this boldness that this evangelist is teaching to his boys. Um, and by God's grace, they're, they're having opportunities to genuinely shine the light of Christ and see uh, people engaged with the good news of Jesus. And, um, you know, as Christians, we, 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 we have good news. We have the best news, good news of great joy. A savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. Like we have the best news. We have almighty God has entered into his creation. The creator has stepped into the creation. He's taken on flesh. He's he's been born in poverty, been born into persecution, born in great humility. Uh, Jesus has come. Almighty God has come. The word became flesh. Um, but he didn't remain a baby. He grew up. He grew in wisdom. He grew in favor with man and favor with God. And we see throughout the Gospels the extraordinary uh, 
person that that Jesus is and the way that he shows compassion, the way that he shows kindness, the way that he um, teaches with authority, the way he drives out demons, the miracles he performs, the the things that he teaches, the, the perfect character that we see in him. And so here is this one who has come into the world, who has lived a perfect life on behalf of of us, of those who've failed to live a perfect life, who then ultimately goes to a cross, offers up his life to bring an end to our suffering, he suffers. To bring an end to uh, our injustice, he suffers injustice. He goes to the cross, suffers in our place. Death can't hold him down. He rises from the dead. He appears to over 500 people. He's now seated at the right hand of God, uh, and he is inviting people to put their trust in him, um, the, 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 the perfect king, the, the one who lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, was triumphantly raised. That's the message of hope that we've got. And, and the message of hope that we've got is that by trusting in Jesus, our tombs will be as empty as his tomb is empty. And, and that's the hope that we've got. That's the message that we've got. Advent is that that preparation for the first coming of Christ, where we we remember Him coming into this world. Um, Advent is likewise prepar- is 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 waiting for the second coming of Christ and longing for His return. But while we wait, kind of in those in that in between bit, we have this message of hope. But I don't know if everyone is necessarily ready to hear that message of hope just by preaching at people. Preaching is a good thing. Preaching is a commanded thing in Scripture. Um, And so I love that in the persecuted church, you can see here is an example where not only proclamation has happened, but neighbor love has been actually the opportunity to open a door. There you go, open doors, open doors.org.au. But neighbor love has been the opportunity to open the door to actually share the hope that we have in Christ. And and I think that, 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 that there ought to be an obvious link for what that means here in Brisbane, uh, what that means uh, across Australia, wherever someone may be listening uh, to this is, well, hang on, I've got that message of hope. I know all the hope and expectation in that baby that was born and, and all that he came to do in his perfect life, sacrificial death, triumphant resurrection. I've got that hope. I want my neighbours to know that hope. What are the opportunities for me to see if there can be open doors by being a loving neighbor, by reaching out maybe to people who are harder to love, um, people that are a little bit different from us. And what an inspiration from the persecuted church. And isn't this why we call it good news? Amen. As you describe, you know, Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, and and uh, what he has done for us. This is good news. Amen. But it's good news not just for the Christian or the non-denominational person. It's good news for the Muslim. Yeah. It's good news for the Hindu. It's good news for the Buddhist. It's good news for the whoever it might be. A good news that takes a risk. But mm. So I imagine that the story you're telling where this person has decided to have this act of kindness at Christmas. They didn't uh, roll up and knock on the door and say, uh, it's merry everything. Yeah, Uh, They would have gently and perhaps uh, very carefully said, this is a merry Christmas Mm. kindness that I'm giving. And it just seems to me, Dave, sometimes here in Australia, we're actually reluctant uh, to be as open with uh, merry Christmas this is Christmas. It's about the good news of Christ. Mm. Uh, and sometimes we're reluctant to even be as bold as that. Mm. Absolutely. I think that, and I said this to my church yesterday, I said it the week before, I've been saying it for the last month. I, th- I think Christmas is the easiest invite to church. 
uh, and I actually think people are more willing to. I think people are more willing to come to church than sometimes we are to inviting them. Uh, and again, the goal hasn't doesn't have to be always inviting them to church. Like neighbor love as a first step, and building a relationship with our neighbor, and actually saying, "Hey, Merry Christmas! This is part of the tradition. You know, I'm I'm a Christian, and this is part of what we do. And here's here's this gift, or here's this loaf of bread, or whatever it might well be." Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call, another anonymous caller today uh, from India, I understand. Hello, welcome along. Hello. What are your thoughts? Yeah, thank thank you for the program. Thank you for having open doors um, on the program. Um, I wanted to talk about how um, our brothers and sisters in India uh, are undergoing tremendous uh, um, increase in, in opposition to to uh, various kinds of Christian activity uh, that, that's uh, been on the rise uh, over the past couple of years. I know that earlier um, this year we were giving some attention to some major issues in Manipur mm. state in India. Uh, are you are you specific about particular areas that are that there's a rising persecution in India? I think Manipur got a fair bit of um, uh, media coverage, but I think there's so many other places which um, uh, equally uh, horrific things are happening, but not generally spoken about. Um, many states have uh, passed uh, anti-conversion laws, um, and and. Uh, um the the uh, the legislation it, it's it's a it's a non-bailable offense in in many states so there are many pastors who are languishing in prison uh for, for just conducting normal sunday services and it's becoming more and more difficult um and and there there is um there's a wonderful organization by the name persecution release uh run by um uh, a christian pastor by the name Shibu Thomas, who is trying to rally as much uh, uh, legal support and financial support to to help in these cases. Uh, you could go to their website. It's uh, persecutionrelief.org. Persecutionrelief.org. And there might be some listeners, and uh, particularly those who've got a real soft spot for India, uh, to check that one out because, uh, yes, they may also be deserving of some level of support. Uh, let me just get a thought or two from, from Dave. Uh, Dave, India, another mm. place where things are tightening all the time, uh, anti-conversion laws. Uh, what they're calling it Hindutva, a, a nationalizing of a Hindu religion and uh, categorizing others in a lower form uh, than those who are Hindu. What are your thoughts for our listener? Yeah, no, thank you for sharing. Yeah, as as you said, we've um, certainly, there's been a lot of coverage on, on Manipur and um, a lot of displaced people and many people killed and um, and buildings destroyed. I think over four hundred churches destroyed. Like it was a it was a significant few months, and I don't think everything settled down there yet as well. I haven't haven't seen recent reports, but um, yeah, I- India is a big place. There's there's a uh, <laughs> there's a headline, and um, and there I, I think it's about five percent Christian. So it's about seventy million Christians. That's 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 a big number of of Christians. But there's obviously a, a, a massive number of those who aren't Christian and are quite hostile, uh, and particularly Hindu uh, extremists and uh, and government regime and so on. 
Um, India are number 11 in the world watch list. Um, if people are interested in learning a little bit more about India, um, you can go to opendoors.org.au and uh, click on the world watch list and, and you can even find some of the recent stories linked to on the number 11 page with India. Um, but one of the things I'm conscious of is a, is a growing um, Indian population in Australia. Uh, and I would encourage uh, Indian listeners here in Australia to... Um, yeah, help your church, um, help your Christian community here in Australia understand more about the pressures that perhaps you faced when you were in India or your own Christian brothers and sisters and family and so on continue to face. And I think that um, not just share the stories of the, the persecution that happens and the pressure, but what is it about Jesus? What is it about the gospel of Jesus? What's helped you to stand firm? What helps your brothers and sisters in that church where you're originally from? Um, and I, I think that's an opportunity um, to recognize that we are part of one body where we, we learn from one another. Um, as one part suffers, we all suffer. And as one part rejoices, we all rejoice. Our listener still on the line with us. Do you mind if I ask you, do you have a personal connection to some Christian believers in India that they're under pressure right now? Absolutely. Um, just wanted to mention today that the the organization I mentioned earlier, uh, Persecution Relief, mm. they are um, associated with Open Doors in the U.S., and um, um, probably Dave does know that. I do not know. But but uh, there's, there's a lot of material you can read on, on, on that website. So the person who, who, um, who has founded that organization, who runs that organization, is a friend of mine. Mm. Uh, his name is uh, Shibu Thomas. Um, and, and he's all the time undergoing tremendous uh, opposition from... Uh, from various quarters, uh, even even last year he had undergone a lot of problems. Uh, but by the grace of God, uh, it, it 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 is amazing how God comes in at the nick of time to yeah. to save uh, in various situations. Uh, it reminds me of the things happening that happen in Acts. Uh, you know, for example, the way how uh, Peter was uh, the, the the doors opened for Peter when he was uh, in jail. Uh, and and there are things like that that keep happening, but I I think for for most of us uh, who are deep in it, it is the reality that that what we are experiencing on this earth is just a small part of uh, a small part of reality, and reality far exceeds uh, what we can experience with our five senses. And there's uh, there's there's a lot more happening that's far beyond just what we can see and experience here. And and a lot of that goes on into eternity. And and people who are in the thick of that have that vision firmly implanted, and and that gives them the courage to to go through some of these uh, situations, and and to bring good. Uh, in 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 many places, the people working are translating uh, language. They're they're creating new scripts. They're bringing in bringing in medical facilities that is uh, not heard of. They're bringing equality in ways that are not heard of. They're really doing Jesus' work and, and uh, with great courage, with great uh, adversity, uh, and, and God is working powerfully. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful to hear from you. Um, anything further to add there, Dave? Oh, that, that's very encouraging. No, thank you for sharing. Um, look, one of the things that even stands out, um, just as you were sharing, is something that might sound strange, but persecution is actually a gift. Um, it's a gift that enables us to 
hope not in the things of this world, but hope in, in, in Christ and his kingdom to come, the certain victory that's already been won at the cross, the certain return of Christ when all things will be made right. I am making all things new, Revelation 21. Uh, and, you know, you, you get that in the New Testament. You get um, in Philippians, you get in uh, Romans 5, you get in um, James 1, that, that, that suffering and difficulties are actually a gift from God to cause us to hope all the more. Uh, that actually do a work in us. And and it's not that we make light of the persecution that our brothers and sisters are facing. It's not that we say that's really easy. Um, but the gift of persecution at that point is, is Jesus worth it? Um, yes, he is. God, help me to keep clinging on to Jesus no matter the cost. Well, it's the gift we don't want to be opening under the tree this mm-hmm. Christmas morning. But uh, I want to thank our anonymous caller mm-hmm. from India because uh, just wonderful insight there. And I'm so glad you were able to share those thoughts with us. Appreciate your call. And uh, time is pretty short, so we'll probably put a line under any other calls from now. But uh, But just recognizing that Persecution as a gift, helping people recognize what is deep and powerful and valuable in their faith. Uh, But it is also the thing that scatters the church and uh, that does not uh, help a flourishing church. So it's only a certain level of persecution that really does that empowering because really heavy persecution forces a church uh, to an underground situation. It forces a church to go quiet. Uh, It causes people to scatter. It causes people to be uh, secret believers. It's the terminology we'll often hear about the persecuted church. So it's one of those things. uh, We don't want persecution. Uh, There is something we're diligent about now, though, Dave, Uh, even in our Australian setting. And we might be thinking about our own circumstance and some feeling even the twinge of persecution. But at this particular time, uh, as we think about persecution, I know you've got some thoughts around when you actually experience some hardship in your faith. This is a reminder as a time to lean in because your global family is going un- undergoing what is much, much worse than you're experiencing right now. How do you reflect on when we're experiencing some uh, some sort of opposition, that that's actually a message to our own hearts. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Um, yeah, I think that the the opportunity, and and one Peter kind of talks about this. Uh, one Peter chapter one, uh, one Peter chapter one is written to Christians that are scattered, uh, Christians that are on the margins, Christians that are under oppressive regimes. And, it, and yet it's got this call to rejoice in our sufferings because the sufferings actually produce something in us that actually are refining our faith um, and helping us to hope all the more in the finished work of Christ and the hope that is ours in in, in him. I, I think um, you know, I've been reflecting a lot on Advent. I'm preaching on it at the moment and I've been reading on it at the moment. And um, there's a, a new book on Advent uh, by Tish Harrison uh, Warren, I think is her last name, um, and she talks. She's got a chapter called the the, the three advents of Christ. Uh, look for those that are, uh, maybe don't haven't grown up in a more traditional church context, uh, and you even hear the word Advent, you're like, "What's that about?" I know what Christmas is, but what's Advent? Uh, well, ad- Advent. Most is, people know what an Advent calendar is. That's right. You know, it's, just, it's just got yeah. chocolates in it, right? <laughs> uh, but Advent is just another is just another word for coming. Um, and so she talks about beautifully about the three comings of Christ. Uh, the obvious coming of Christ is the first coming of Christ, uh, and Advent is clearly about remembering, rejoicing in the in the coming of, of Christ uh, two thousand years ago. The other obvious one throughout church history has been Advent has also been a season to prepare for the 
the second coming of Christ, we long for his return. We long for the king to come and for, for, for justice and the knowledge of God to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. We, we long for that day when, when, when the Prince of Peace will return once and for all. Um, but the third one that I was really encouraged by is that the, the third coming of Christ is the coming of Christ now. It's God in us by his spirit. As, as those who live between the two comings, we live in these last days. We live in this overlap of the old age, uh, the, the overlap of the ages. The old age, uh, we're still in it, but the new age has begun. And, and, and we're, we're in this it's almost like a limbo. It's a, a time of frustration where we look back to the first coming of Christ. We can't wait for the second coming of Christ. But God has given us his spirit right now. The spirit of Christ dwells in us, has come in us, dwells in us individually as believers, dwells in us, uh, Ephesians 2, as the people of God, a, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I can't even remember the question, but the, the um, <laughs> kind, of, kind of where I'm going there, I, I think that um, those moments of difficulty in our lives are moments to hope all the more in the coming of Christ, his first coming his second coming, and even right now as he is with us in the middle of it, as he is with our persecuted brothers and sisters by his spirit, strengthening them. We, as an organization, Open Doors, we we are confronted by stories. We've got stories we can't even share uh, that are that are so confronting. And there's there's a lot that is difficult to that, that, that weighs upon you. But we also get so many stories across our desk, across the computer of incredible hope, of incredible answered prayer, of places of such darkness and yet the light of Christ shining, of a joy that you go, that's otherworldly. That's God's spirit at work through my brothers and sisters. And again, when I hear those stories, there's the things in my life that are difficult and and frustrating and disappointing. Um, and I, I take strength that the same spirit that dwells in my brothers and sisters who are literally on the front lines facing death because of their faith in Jesus, I've got the same spirit. Um, spirit, help me to keep trusting in, in, in Jesus. Help to strengthen me in this moment. And as we remain informed, uh, we get perspective. Yeah. And uh, it's even as you're talking about, you know, the old times and the new time to come. And here we are in the middle of that. And uh, there's a certain sense in which just understanding what has gone before and what is coming gives us perspective in the present. A really powerful stuff. Hey, you've got uh, something special coming in January. Each year in January, uh, there is an updated World Watch mm. list which is released, and uh, I'm sure that's all still coming together, and uh, I can't get you to uh, uh, to share anything that might be new, but we'll get an update with Open Doors in January around the new World Watch list. And as you mentioned, 50 nations, the worst persecutors of Christians in the world, and that comes out on that World Watch list, that also gives us perspective. Mm. It says what's going on in which nations and which nations have risen up the list as the worst persecutors of Christian believers. And for listeners wondering what uh, has been number one this year, I'm pretty sure it was North Korea, and they have been up at the top of that list uh, for many, many years, and uh, look forward to what's coming with the new World Watch list when it is released mid-January. Yeah. Uh, to connect with our special guest today, you might even want a personal connection to Dave Myers, M-I-E-R-S, Dave Myers. 
He serves with Open Doors. The website is opendoors.org.au. I'm sure there's a way you can get him a message. Uh, Communicate with Dave. Uh, Get access to some of that information. That'll give you real perspective what's happening in the persecuted church. opendoors.org.au. And I did mention that uh, you're also pastoring a new church plant called Christ Our Refuge, uh, you're based in Brisbane these days. Uh, earlier times, we've talked to you from your home city of Sydney. Yeah. Uh, you're in Brisbane now, in Brisbane's inner north. The church is called Christ Our Refuge, part of the Anglican Diocese of the Southern Cross. But Dave Myers, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us once again today on 2020. Thanks so much for having me, Neil. It's been great. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.